Well, just a, a sort of overview of what I want to say today is um, those verses that Jesus is talking about, the Pharisees is basically saying that they are hypocrites because they, they like to be seen to be doing the right thing, but it's what's on the inside that matters, and it's what's on the inside that determines that the right thing is done on the outside. There's no point just going through the motions doing the right things if our motives and our hearts are not right. And Jesus suggests that um, it's be, it's when the heart is spoiled, if you like, is that's when things go wrong. And that's when uh, the mouth speaks of what's in the heart. Now, on the contrary, of course, is that Jesus came to reverse all of that to show us that it's, that it's possible to live with a pure heart before God. And indeed, the whole process of our salvation and sanctification is to be purified in our thoughts and in our hearts so that what comes out of our mouths is pleasing and is life-giving and is energizing and is honoring to God and is full of the Spirit. So we've got hope in Christ. Um, but I wonder, and, and also... Uh, to tie these two readings together with Song of Songs, the place to start is with the heart. Somebody once said that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. So we need some heart surgery in order to live well. And Song of Songs is a good place to dwell and to listen to what God is saying. We don't often read from Song of Songs. In fact, even in the church lectionary, which is that program of readings every three years, it only has Song of Songs in one week of the year, and this is today. This is it, guys, so you've got to grab it while we've got it. As long as you stick with the lectionary, that is. You don't have to stick with the lectionary. But Song of Songs is a good book to take away and meditate on and to listen and can I thoroughly recommend the, that Passion Translation? It's a new translation, uh, an accurate translation. And it's the, the first book to be translated was Song of Songs. And it's done in such a way that you will broaden your understanding of Song of Songs by reading that translation. There's no doubt about it. You can get it free online at Bible Gateway. You don't need to buy a new Bible. You can get it online. And if you need a copy printed off, I'm sure somebody can do that for you. So meditate on that and uh, listen to the voice of God speaking to you in there. Because you, we need to start from a healthy perspective in order to have that heart surgery undertaken. We need to know what God truly thinks of his creation. And that includes each of us. So I wonder today is, what do you think God thinks about you? What's your perspective of what you, what you think God thinks about you? Let that sink in for a moment. How healthy are your thoughts about God's thoughts about you? Now, if you believe the poster outside this building, it says, God thinks you're amazing. And he rejoices over you with songs of singing. That's a good place to begin because that's a healthy place. 
The trouble is we rarely believe that scripture. We rarely believe it. And I wonder why we rarely believe it. Is it because we're too often blind to the truth? Is it because other things get in the way and block that truth? Is it because we don't spend the time and the effort to listen to that voice? Um, is it because we've not yet seen the true depth of God's love for his creation? Um, have we not gazed deeply into the mirror of his love and seen our true identity as his beloved who belong to him eternally and whose very being is part of being itself? We are part of God and God is part of us. At least part of the difficulty that we humans have is in our incomplete understanding of who God is. None of us knows for certain who God is. And none of us knows for certain how God works. But hands up if you think you're growing in your understanding of who God is and how God works. You can close your eyes so that you don't see everybody else putting their hand up. Everybody close your eyes. Right, I'm going to give you some questions. Hands up if you think you're growing in your understanding of who God is. Okay. Hands up if you know that God thinks you're amazing. Right. Okay, you can open your eyes now. There's not enough hands up. And maybe we're just too shy. But I think at least partly the reason there is that we've not got a complete yet understanding of who God is or his love. But the good news is that we can grow in our understanding. And I think that's what Paul means, at least partly, when he says we grow up in our salvation. We grow up into Christ. It means growing into a clearer, more complete understanding of God's love for Christ and therefore for us. Now here's what Richard Rohr says. I like Richard Rohr. I'm, I haven't always read Richard Rohr's stuff, um, but I think he's a bit of a prophet at the moment. Uh, he's got a lot of really good things to say to the church. And here's one thing that he has said. I think it was up on the screen there. For most of human history, God was not viewed as having a likable, much less lovable character. That's why whenever an angel or God breaks into human life, the first words are invariably, do not be afraid. We need to be reassured, not only that God is loving, but that we too, made in the image and likeness of God, are good and relational beings. So fear is an issue. Um, and we know that perfect love casts out fear. So that fear needs to be dealt with in order for us to receive our understanding of who God is and God's love. And Song of Songs, I think, helps us to do that if we take time to read it and to meditate on it, to, to ask God to show us what he's saying to us through that song. Now, our, our assurance to take God at his word and learn to trust him fully takes time. Life, I think, is a journey into love, uh, a journey where the heart learns to be captivated uh, and to be delivered from fear. Uh, it's a journey into intimacy with God, the divine being who is the source of all that is good. 
It's not that God changes, I'm not saying that, but our understanding of God changes and our understanding of how God works changes. It matures. I think, as I've said already, I think that's what Paul meant when he says we grow up. Now, I think also because of our fallen human nature, it takes a lifetime to learn how God loves us and what that freedom means for us in how we live. When we first experience God's love, we think it's limited to a few, maybe just to those in our tribe or in our faith or in our church. Then we might move on to a more fuller understanding, I think, thinking that love, but we might still think that love somehow is dependent on how we respond. It's conditional that God will love us and reward us if, we, if we're good. It's only as we practice giving and receiving love, and parents know how to do that, um, as we practice giving and receiving love, that we begin to understand that God's love is infinite and unconditional. I don't know if many of you were like me, but when we had small children, it wasn't until you have, you're forced into that place of loving children that you realize how much your parents loved you um, and how much love is so much bigger than you knew up until that point and how, much, how unconditional it has to be in order to work properly. So it's only as we practice giving and receiving love that we begin to understand God's love as infinite and unconditional but we might still believe that God only does that from a distance, that somehow we're not involved in the process. But that's not the end. I think the end of our growing up is that we realize that grace and love are present within us and through us. That's what I think incarnation is all about, that God is incarnate becoming within us truly love. So God truly is with us and within us, and when we move to loving with that understanding, then I think our loving becomes more mature. We have a more complete understanding of who God is and how God works, and that we begin to see that our bodies are actually temples of the living spirit of God, the God who is love. And we get caught up in that flow. And that is where we want to be and to grow in and mature in. Here's another quote from Richard Rohr. It says this, the Bible shows a relentless movement towards intimacy and divine union between creator and creatures. For this to happen, there needs to be some degree of compatibility likeness, or even sameness between the two parties. In other words, there has to be a little bit of God in us that wants to find itself. Well, we can see this idea of sameness is in the Bible right from the very beginning. In the creation of people, God takes some dust and he creates man. 
So out of God's creation, he creates man. And then he takes bone from man and creates woman. So there's that idea of sameness. Bone from bone, rib from rib, flesh from flesh. There's something, because there's something of God in all of creation. Something of God in you and I and in every creature that longs to be united and connected for that love to flow in a ceaseless river of blessing. So we can see that in Song of Songs. In Song of Songs chapter 5, it says, um, this is the, the shepherd king speaking. I have gathered from your heart my equal, my bride, I have gathered from my garden all my sacred spices, even my myrrh. I've tasted and enjoyed my wine within you. I have tasted with pleasure my pure milk, my honeycomb, which you yield to me. I delight in gathering my sacred spice. All the fruits of my life I have gathered from within you, my paradise garden. It's poetry, but it tells us something of that connection between God and God's creation, that there's a real intimacy there. Anyone who's ever fallen in love knows about relationships and knows about how perhaps our relationships begin with a strong physical attraction, but our relationship changes and matures as as it goes on. It's not necessarily to say that physical attraction no longer exists, but it changes, it deepens, and our love gets stronger. And we can also see that idea of movement or progression towards intimacy and union between Creator and His creatures in the Song of Songs. Song of Songs is really a poem about love and wisdom. It begins with that first discovery of a passionate attraction, but then moves on to a different type of love where the beloved finds her identity in the lover and the lover calls the beloved to come up higher. And then there's a dark night of the soul described in Song of Songs where it seems as if the lover has gone missing. And maybe you've had that experience in your own faith journey. You've wondered, does God actually exist? Is love still present? That's all there in Song of Songs. But, but, but through that time, there even is a maturing of the love affair. We're assured that the lover was there all the time and continues to be seeking the beloved. Then on the other side of the darkness, love is found again. And there is a more mature understanding of how the beloved is seen by the lover, how the king sees his bride to be. I'm not going to say much more about these verses, but there's lots and lots in there of examples of that. Um, and there's even the verses which talk about the, love, the beloved deciding to choose in faith that, that her lover is near and to live out of that faith. It's all there. 
Now, most commentators have suggested that the poem of Song of Songs is an allegory which shows us the journey that every passionate lover of Jesus will take. And it's about the passion of the bridegroom Christ for his radiant and soon-to-be-perfected bride, the church. And when we stop to look and listen, we can find ourselves on such a journey and increasingly become aware of hearing the Lord's lyrics of love sung over us from, from deep within us. Lots and lots of verses which I'm going to skip through. But part of our growing up into our true identity in Christ as beloved people of God is that we don't keep that to ourselves. Instead, we use that truth to fuel everything that we are and do and think. The truth is given to us intimately to share so that we can become more and more complete and those around us can become more and more complete. We're like wee channels made to let out the love as much as we've let the love in, knowing that the source is unfailing and never-ending. Here's the last quote from Richard Rohr. It says, As planted in fertile soil, the love and presence of God always comes to fullness. By gradually accepting the daring initiative of intimacy with God, the Hebrew people became a true community of faith. It was not so much that God loved Israel more than all the other peoples of the earth, but somehow they learned how to hear and trust God's initiatives and could pass the message to the rest of the world. Election is only for the sake of passing the same experience on. So as our hearts are captivated by God's divine initiative, we're free to serve uh, out of that divine love without expecting anything in return. And our hearts experience that inner freedom that longs only to return the love it received and pass it on in everything it does. Now, I've not said very much about the readings from Mark's Gospel, but let me just add this, these comments. We can see from those readings that the hearts of the Pharisees were not yet transformed. They were hard. They were judgmental. They were bound by rules that limited any expression of love to flow freely. Jesus said about them, these people honor me with their words while their hearts are far from me. Their worship is nothing more than a charade. Jesus wants us, wants his disciples to live with hearts free from hypocrisy. It's not what goes in that contaminates, it's what comes out. The words and actions that result from what's in the heart. That's why it matters for us to know what's in God's heart for us and what he's placed in our heart so that the truth of what's in our heart will come out and bless others. So this song of songs shows us real benefits of taking time to listen to what God really thinks of us. And I think he wants us to meditate on that and to live out of that love and I think he's given us a desire to seek after him in this way and find every longing satisfied.
as he is in us. So let's finish by praying the words of the bride's prayer in the end of chapter 4. Let's use this as a prayer. Let's pray together. May your awakening breath blow upon my life until I am fully yours. Breathe upon me with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spice of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come, walk with me as you walked with Adam in your paradise garden. Come, taste the fruits of your life in me. Amen.